You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com. This episode is from an earlier interview with Gary Cardone, the CEO at Chargebacks 911. So we got Gary Cardone here, and uh, he is currently the CEO for a company called Chargebacks 911. Kind of give us an understanding of, of what all that means, what you're doing today, and and then we'll kind of fall back a little bit and, and kind of understand what, what got you to the point that you're at in your life. Because I have this feeling, because you and I have talked in the past, it's not very like straight line, not very linear. So kind of give us a feeling to, to what's going on these days with you, sir. You, you mean it, it, it's complexing that it wasn't all planned out perfectly like the MBA students exactly. explain that you can do? Yeah, that definitely didn't happen for me. Uh, yeah, so my name is Gary Cordon. Ted, really great to see you. I'm really glad you're doing this show. Um, so we run a, I run a business. Um, my partner actually runs the business. I invested in the business and play a, a, a little small role in revenue and vision. Uh, but it's basically we found this highly inefficient problem known as disputes and chargebacks, which result in declines uh, on payments, a $13 trillion industry that is uh, uh, very problematic. And from my commodity experience in energy, it, we looked at this problem and just do not believe that it needs to exist. It exists because of a legacy viewpoint. And so what we're doing is trying to drive efficiency into a marketplace to minimize declines, to minimize problems when consumers buy something, and as importantly, to minimize the losses, leakage, and problems that a merchant, a compliant merchant who sells a product in good faith, is desiring to deliver to his customer, and then you have a payment rail or a system, a legacy system that has given rights to an industry to allow them to basically destroy that transaction. So we're helping merchants defend their compliance, and we're helping acquiring banks defend their compliant merchants, and we also want to take away all the stress and cost that issuers suffer from having to deal with this very, very complex problem, mostly related to e-commerce, card not present, and digital transactions that occur on e-commerce. They, they do occur in point of sale, but point of sale, one is on the wrong end of growth, it's declining, and also point of sale has been mostly handled with rules and processes. The unfortunate thing is that the card present rules and processes don't apply to e-commerce, which uh, for whatever reason, those in power have decided that a e-commerce transaction is far riskier than a point-of-sale transaction. We find that um, um, a little confusing in that we have so many data points on a card-absent transaction versus a point-of-sale. So anyway, that's generally our business, trying to drive efficiency into a market where there's no friction, uh, either on the front end or the back end. Fantastic. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go just a little personal here. Um, it's, it's okay. No, not too personal. Not, nothing we have to have to worry about. Uh, nothing that will get anybody in trouble. It's okay. Uh, I'm an open book. <laughs> Everybody knows about my, my, my mistakes. One of the things that you and I were talking about earlier this year is how you've, you've, you've 
rekindled or reignited the passion for painting. Ah, the painting. Yes. So, ah, you're going to talk about the painting. Of course, I'm going to start I blushing. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I. I I'm an artist at heart as well. I mean, I, I love to draw. I love to paint. I love to create. I mean, that's that's a lot of this right here. I love to create. So I understand that 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 feeling, that fire in the belly that it gives gives some folks. Where where did that come from, and and where where do you get your inspiration from? You know, I don't. Um, first off, I am not a good painter. So I'm I'm a novice. I've never read, written a, read a book on painting. I, I didn't uh, study art in school. In fact, just the opposite. I was told when I was in elementary school and high school that I didn't have any artistic capabilities. That I was um, destined to be one thing, and uh, never ever considered painting. And uh, in fact. Uh, about seven years ago, my wife and I had two girls, and she basically dragged some paint down into the, to the basement with the kids, and I started painting with them, and I started digging it. And I started realizing that, hey, you know, nobody supported this behavior of mine. Uh, I grew up for the last 60 years of my life believing that I had one skill on this planet, and that was to be a commercial warrior. I built... So nope. describe, can, can, can you define what you mean by commercial warrior? Well, this is just what I was told or okay. this is what okay. I kind of mocked up in my brain. Uh, but when I left school at 20 years old, college, I studied economics and marketing, did not have a great education at, by any means. I went to a little tiny college. My dad died when I was eight or nine years old. And I felt uh, maybe I was too scared to go to a real big college, but I wanted to hang out with my mom, me and my twin brother. Um, decided we were just going to stay with my mom at the close little college. And we went to a little community college, a little, you know, proper four-year college. But I don't think I had a great education. Anyway, what I, uh, when, when I started my career, I went into the oil and gas business. And I just thought I was one of these guys that knew how to make money. And that I was the guy that was kind of the front end of the spear and willing to take hits and do new things and do challenges. And I was really, really fortunate enough, my first job, out of college was in the oil and gas business and I found my home. And uh, three years later, a company called Natural Gas Clearinghouse was formed and I knew, instinctually, I knew I have to go work for this company. I didn't know who worked there, didn't know what they were really doing, but I knew in my heart I have to work there. And that was the first point of me realizing that, in fact, I believe I've always been an artist because the type of business that I have done in my whole career is I go into markets that are blank canvases and I look at it and then I decide that I'm going to paint it in a certain way. And I did it in the United States. I had some great mentors that taught me how to do it. I uh, ended up in the right shop, the right platform, like we were talking about the other day. I think a lot of smart people just don't have the right platform. Uh, they go to work for a big company and then they get lost or they go to a small company and they get lost or they're too much power. Um, so the art thing for me today, I believe I've been creating art since I was like a child. But no one gave me credit for that building a business is highly artistic. Okay, you, 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 like, um, it, it, you have to have a vision of what it is that you're trying to put on the canvas. And, uh, but I'll, I will tell you that about a year ago, um, I started painting more and more and more. I started doing lots of paintings and volumes and uh, read a book on Pablo Picasso 
I had this belief that great artists only created three or four of them. And then I read the, the story on Pablo Picasso, on Michelangelo, on Leonardo da Vinci. These people were prolific producers of art. That not, not like Pablo did a major masterpiece every three days. Oh, wow. I guess I didn't even realize. So what I learned from that is that people that become masters do things so many times over and over and over and over. It becomes masterful for them. It becomes almost effortless. And so I had to like get out of this viewpoint of, oh, I just need to create one masterpiece. No, I need to create a lot of art. And so for me, the next 20 years of my life, or the last 20 years of my life, I want to end up being an artist. And really I want to end up because uh, it's a little bit of my um, rebellious attitude. No one gave me credit for it, so I'm going to prove the whole planet wrong. Uh, and, and, you know, it may I may fail, but one thing I have learned about success is when I begin putting out what my dreams are vocally to the world, like whoever's going to see this to you, all of a sudden, my wanting to be an artist takes on a whole different role because I'm like, hey, I'm telling people what I'm going to do. I can't back out of that now, okay? I'm taking responsibility. And so really it's just about how many times I do it. I, I don't think anybody's naturally smart. But if you do something enough, if you dig a ditch enough, you're going to be the greatest shovel maker, shovel ditch builder on the planet. And that's artistic in my opinion. So I don't know if that answers your question, no, but I, I'm really digging the art, okay? Doesn't pay me anything. Don't care. Everybody thinks I'm in it for the money. I really don't care about money. I've never cared about money. I've cared about what am I creating and what is my influence in, in a marketplace. So and that actually brings up a, an interesting point is because a lot of people do think that, you know, that people that know you. Um, think they know. Think they know you. Yeah. I will never say that I know you. I, I will definitely say that I know of you and I know things about you, yeah. but I will never know you. Right. Well, uh, yeah. But I hear you. <laughs> so one of the things that, that I'm wondering is, was there a defining moment when you realized that you just weren't going to settle for average? Most of the things that, that you've done aren't average things. Yeah. They, they've been a little, uh, let's say non-standard for sure. Um, I think the death of my dad, like was a big deal. And what it showed me was that he worked, he was a stockbroker. I thought he controlled the world. I mean, I went into his office one day and I was like, wow, I saw a little ticker tape. Wow. Amazing. 22 years old. I ended up being a commodity trader for like 40 years. I mean, a great commodity trader. Uh, I found it amazing that I ended up in that job. Um, knowing that I uh, used to go to my dad's office and see him trade stocks. And I thought he ran the universe. And I'll, I'll tell everyone here that I don't share this very often, but I was grossly disappointed when I joined corporate America because I realized that most people in corporate America don't run anything. Actually, they don't even know what they're doing. And it was a really big problem for me to confront working for a major corporation going, whoa, these three people that I work for don't know what I do. They don't have any response. They, they're not going to get fired if they don't make money. Uh, it was shocking to me. Um, but so I think the, the death of my dad and then playing sports when I was a kid, I was always that kid at baseball that I wanted to be under pressure. I wanted to be the, the hitter that it was two outs, 
three strikes, we're down two runs, and we got to go on base. And for me, you know, maybe it's a bit of a weird ego thing, but, like, to be the hero, God, to be the hero and save the day, who doesn't want to be a hero, okay? I want to be a superhero. I'd love to be Superman or some of these new Marvel comic guys. I mean, who doesn't want to be Tony? What's his name? Tony? Oh, Tony Stark. Iron Man. Who doesn't want to be Iron Man, right? Um, So, I don't know, man. I just keep trying. You know, I work hard. My dad taught me how to work hard. My mom showed me how to work hard. And when I get into something, um, I don't want to be average. I want to be really, really great. It's something. And, and for me, it's more gratifying. Instead of doing a bunch of things kind of average, I like to focus. And I'm a fairly compulsive, obsessive, uh, all these weird words that everyone uses. Like, go check out Da Vinci, okay? Freaking wacky, okay? Van Gogh, off the charts. Elon Musk, disturbed. I mean, who wants to live Elon Musk? Not me. Okay? I, I, I can't live. No chance, dude. And I feel for the guy, okay? But he's taking too much on. And, and I'm sorry that he doesn't know how to delegate or can't hire enough people. Brilliant guy, but no human being can run three major businesses. It's not possible. And, and, uh, but great visionary, genius. You look at geniuses on this planet, Winston Churchill, a little odd, okay? Can't say he didn't change the world. General Patton, can't say he didn't change the world. Donald Trump sitting in the most powerful position on the planet today because he was willing to do something that 18 other professional politicians weren't willing or able to do or didn't see the market. And like Mark Cuban, you can say whatever you want about Donald Trump. He saw the opportunity. He exploited the opportunity. He filled the gap, and you didn't. And you're talking about it. So I take my hat off to Donald Trump for seeing this massive shift change across the globe. Uh, what I call the disruptive moment that we are all experiencing, which offers tremendous opportunities to guys your age. I mean, spectacular opportunities. The likes I've never seen. And I came from some really, really, really big industries. And that, that, you and I have had discussions about that, and and honestly, that will have to be a completely separate episode because that yeah. is something that that your thought process in in how the world is shifting, um, the artistic side of you, um, definitely just explodes yeah. when you start to talk about that, and we do not have enough time to go into that, so we'll have to do that some yeah, other cool. time. Would you say that finding that spot? with that oil and gas company that you felt was just your, that gut thing for you, would, would you say that was the first taste of success or did you have a taste of success way earlier in life? Like the part where that, Dude, I'm from South Louisiana. There wasn't any success. I mean, eating some crawfish was successful, but, uh, it tasted good. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let me tell you about my journey into, into natural gas clearinghouse, which, would become Dynagy, D-Y-N, for you guys that want to look up the stock symbol, which would become a Fortune 50 company. Twelve guys just like me, all my age, except one guy was about six years older than me, Chuck Watson. My boss's name was Steve Bergstrom, who I will maintain has been and will be probably the only real mentor I've ever had in my life. And he didn't even really go out his way to be a mentor, but for me, I sucked. Dude, I am a great sponge. I'm a really, really, really good student when I have a great teacher in front of me. Um, and and I remember meeting a man. I'm sorry if I'm diverting, but I remember meeting a man once. He was a psychologist. I was really troubled when I was 22, uh, like just looking for answers. And 
I get in the wrong relationships and I had all these issues and I, and, and, and everyone, all these expert head people were telling me, you know, you, you don't like authority. And I started buying it. Yeah. I hate authority, man. I hate the cops. I hate this guy. I hate my boss. And then I met a guy, a really smart guy. He said, you know, you hate weak authority. And I'm like, when he said that, I'm like, oh, absolutely, man. I don't like stupid authority and I don't like weak authority. I like somebody that's, hey, I'm going to beat you into the ground if you do that again. And I know he's going to hammer me, right? Don't say something to me you're not going to do. Or, hey, we have goals. And then the guy doesn't hit his goals and he doesn't get fired. Like for me, that's like BS. Uh, so I love strong authority figures. I am a great soldier. Like I'll, yes, sir. Everybody thinks I will never work for anyone. That's the biggest lie on the planet. I have thousands of, of bosses. My clients are our bosses. Um, so I don't believe that, that, that I'm the boss. I believe I'm a, a, an instrument that, that can learn or not learn. I can open my ears or, or, or not open my ears. And, and so when, when I met these people, I knew here, I did not know here. I knew here I have to work for these. I was making $70,000 a year. I was 27 years old. And I promise you, I didn't have money. Like everybody goes, yeah, you got money now. I didn't have money when I was 27. I would have gone to work for these people for zero. Oh, wow. All day and every day. I would have worked. Because like for me, the information. Because I knew that after three months, they'd pay me something. I'm not dumb. I'm a hard worker. I may not be the smartest guy, but I'm a hard worker. And in the first year, they paid me 70 or 80 grand, whatever. In the first year, they almost fired me three times <laughs> because I couldn't, I couldn't get their cadence. Oh, okay. Okay. They were, they were moving at such a rapid speed. And I had to like, okay, I have a lot to learn here. In the, the shop I left, I was the baller. Okay. So I joined the shop and I'm just a little fish in a big pond. It was actually a very small pond. Uh, but these 12 guys went on, uh, every one of them went on to run companies, big companies. One of them went on to run Anadarko Petroleum. Uh, another one is sitting on Williams Energy. He's the chairman of the board, my mentor. Uh, these guys are absolute brilliant people. And quite frankly, for the first time, I'm taking credit for being with those. Uh, but it came through education, 20 years in business of being educated. Like for me, my education started when I was 22. It did not start in college or high school or elementary school. It started when the real world showed up. So I've had so many successes, man, but the, can you pick out like one that just was like that one where you're like, yeah, okay, this, this, this is, this is it. This is what every time I followed my heart was a winner. Every time, whether it was in romance or business, like, um, I think people overthink a lot of stuff. Um, and most people don't give me credit for actually being a strategist. It's a huge mistake. A lot of people make with me. They see me as a gunslinger, as this kind of Southern boy that just kind of says whatever he wants to say. I curse. And, uh, I study markets very, very well when I go into them. And I don't bet on seven tables at one time. When I go into a business, once I'm in, I focus on that thing. I don't focus on Bitcoin and blockchain and mock chain and rock chain. I just focus on one thing. And this particular thing, I focus on credit card fraud and, and, and meeting all the relevant players. 
because business is made up of human beings. It's not made up of spreadsheets. Okay, I, I, I hate to educate everybody about the MBAs that think it's all spreadsheets. It's human beings that make decisions. And, and that's probably the greatest talent my mom and my dad gave me. My dad talked to everybody. And he was loved and admired by a lot of people. Now, he's dead. He's been dead a long time. I don't know what his agenda was, but he seemed very genuine. And salesmen do not have to be disingenuous. You know, you can actually be honest and just be a real person. Uh, and want to, like this man that interrupted our, like, I like this guy a lot. I will go out of my way to do business with that gentleman. Um, and you, I went out of my way to make all yeah. this work as, as did you. So, um, so I don't know, man, I, 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 quite frankly, I think I've been far less successful than I should have been. If I didn't have all this noise in my head, uh, not being properly educated, Middle class, hey, you know, you've got enough. You're flying first class. Flying first, I hate flying first class. Um, but, you know, my family was like, hey, man, how much is enough? Um, so I've had a lot of demons to deal with in this mm-hmm. head. Uh, and I think that's what is the beauty of the MBA schools because they tell you that you can do anything. Well, that actually, I've made more mistakes than I have successes. Well, but, I mean, Babe Ruth struck out many more times than totally. he hit home runs. Far right? more times. So uh, they, they go correct. hand in hand, at least, That's correct. at least from that perspective. It goes back to how, how many times you do something. The repetition. Over and over and over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so something you and I have talked about before, and I know I keep going back to this. You and I have had lots of conversations. That's the main reason why I wanted to have this discussion is that, you know, we, we talked about how fear is a great motivator and a great driver What would you say your greatest fear is right now, and how does it drive you? Uh, well, my greatest fear right now is, is uh, probably wasting time. Um, and uh, I think you're asking me a different question, so I'm going to ask answer the different question but i think that my my for for instance my vocalizing to you that i wanted to be an artist and when i say i want to be an artist dude i'm talking about i want to be known when i die hey that guy actually created a a a a a role for himself he created art and he became a well-known artist like i'm not saying "Eh, i just want to paint i actually want to do five paintings a day what i care about is when I'm gone, somebody says, hey, that's a, that's a piece of work. So when they say, when they whether say whether it's one or Gary, a million, so when they say the name Gary Cardone, he, he was an artist. That's what you, that's when, when 10, years from now. Yeah, whatever, whatever. But, but think about it. He was a artist. piece of art. Like I have been a commercial warrior. That's all I've done. I've gone into markets, disrupted them, fixed them, shaken them up, taken advantage, uh, exploited inefficiencies, whatever, okay? But these were, like, we were, I was creating something. And, and, like, for me, the deal was, well, is this all I am? It, am I only a business guy? And, and I remember when I left the energy business in, two, in 2002, I wrote down on a journal that I want to create another role serious role in another industry where I can prove that this wasn't a fluke. 
Because actually, retiring at the age of 42 with a lot of money, I actually thought they were all three flukes. Three businesses that I helped build are built by myself, and I thought they were fluky. Like, I mean, I crushed the UK marketplace. I mean, it was crazy. And I still thought, it, well, it might have been a fluke, you know. Um, but now I know it's just about a vision. It's about a vision and a decision to do something. If you decide you're going to build the greatest payments uh, video system in, in the world, you will do it. If you're really committed to it, you will do it. It's the decision and the vocalizing of that decision is the most important thing that any one human being can do. Right? and express what you're writing on a piece of paper. Based upon what you were just saying, it sounds like the the biggest fear and what's driving you right now is that some of your accomplishments throughout time have been, as you use the word, flukes, and that you're wanting to prove that you can do it without it being a fluke and using the being becoming known as an artist falls into that would you would you say that's yeah that's a good I, summarization I, I think i'm probably at this age i'm probably a little less I, i'm no longer believing these were flukes now i know hey look this is a talent because i met i met like i know a lot of people and i know a lot of really 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 smart people that haven't done anywhere near what i have so it's just about effort and 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 and, and like i'm a really great guy jumping off a cliff I'm also brilliant. If somebody asked me, hey, what is the greatest talent you have? I burn bridges behind me like no one does. I am the greatest napalmer on the planet. <laughs> because once I go into a business, I have this thing or, or any a relationship or anything, I burn everything behind me. All the girl, old girlfriends and their phone numbers, they get cut. Boop, I'm out. I'm done. Don't call me. Don't talk to me. Uh, like, for instance, I could get hired 12 times tomorrow afternoon helping Big private equity companies work on energy deals. I don't even take their phone calls. Don't take them. Why? Because I'm focused on credit card fraud. I'm not, I'm not interested in energy. I already figured that stuff out. I understand that. Um, and so for me, the, the, the greatest fear to answer your question is that once you've had a modicum of success, um, I worry about my kids. Like I didn't grow up with any money. So what, what's going to happen to my children? I need to influence my children with a work ethic. Um, the same work ethic that I saw my dad have. Uh, that This isn't easy. This is hard. My, my kids don't have an easy life. They live in hotels and, and houses all over the world, and they come with me and, me and my, uh, their mom. Uh, and we're doing business. And, I mean, I took my 8-year-old into an investment bank the other day. She sat there for two hours listening to P.E.s and multiples and EBITDA and gross margins. And she didn't make a word. She didn't say a word. And I was so impressed, you know, for me to be able to show her that there are people all over the world with funny accents and they're thinking and they're big buildings and they're small buildings and they're big houses and they're ran. You know, for me, that's uh, my responsibility being a parent and not to ruin them. And I I worry that money will ruin because most people I know, They've been ruined by money. Um, and I don't want to do that to my kids. That, that is my greatest fear. Uh, the, the, the business, it's a game. And most people don't look at it as a game. It's an absolute game, just like playing checkers. So checkers, not chess, huh? Checkers, chess. Okay. War. Is it really any different? That you have true. to have a strategy. You have to understand your opponent. And you have to decide, hey, what am I willing to lose? 
most people don't want to lose anything. Like some, every business I've ever gone into, I lost on the first deal. I lost $20 million on the first deal in England. I knew I was losing. I picked the guy that that, I was going to lose the money with. And I told the guy, hey, I'm going to lose money on this trade. But like business isn't one trade. It's thousands of trades. Okay. So I'm going to jump into um, something that is is more of a a personal question for me to understand because you do have so many things going on. Like we discussed, you, you do quite a bit of travel and, and have so many things going on all the time. When, when you start to feel that, that sense of being overwhelmed or feeling like you're losing focus on, on the things that are important and I think I may know the answer, but but what do you do to to calm the mind and to regain that focus? Nothing. I I just go with it. So you it embrace isn't, it. It isn't going to go away. Okay. Like who who, who told us it was going to go away? Like the further down the rabbit hole you go, the 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 further down an ocean you go. Like if you want to catch fish at the very top level of an ocean, they're going to be small fish. You might get a redfish or a shark every now and then, but the whales are deep. Everybody wants to go hunting for elephants and whales, right? Credit card industry has a massive amount of whales. Problem with whales is that you don't hook them with a piece of shrimp. And so, by definition, when you're in an ocean this big, it's always an overwhelm. So, why think that you're going to fix it? Like, this overwhelm, that question almost suggest to me and forgive me if I'm uh, uh, but it suggests to me there's something about life balance and what life work balance and all that stuff I just don't believe in that I think Leonardo da Vinci had no balance whatsoever zero I think he was a complete nutcase and he was a genius I don't think Elon Musk has any balance and and he's definitely in overwhelm every day so uh embrace the overwhelm okay Guess what? Every one of my competitors are overwhelmed. Okay? They have less money than we do, less focus, less vision, and less understanding of how to do business internationally. So I embrace this overwhelm. Better, just under, I, I would like to build a company called Overwhelm Incorporated. Uh, the overwhelmers are the guy. You, you think people in World War II were not overwhelmed? What? Oh, I'm in overwhelm. I'm going to put my gun down and go home. No, dude, they load up more. They stick some more rucksacks on their back. They dig a trench and they go and they keep going and they keep going. And the losers and the winners are defined by the guy that kept going and had a good plan. Most people don't have a good plan. Most people have a short term plan and not a, not a like, hey, let me build a business plan. So, you know, what? I, and, and this is something that that out of the discussion, I understand the embrace the overwhelm because it, it reminds me of my military days and the embrace the suck, right? Why, why is it different? I'm, it, I'm, I'm really, why it, is it different? It's not really. But it's the key different. piece that I think I heard come, come out of that whole talk was if you have a plan, you can drive through the overwhelm. And it's not really overwhelm. It is just that you have to do more work. Because without the plan, that's when, when the overwhelm, when the thought feeling or feelings, and I'm talking about feelings, the feelings of overwhelm come into play is because you haven't built a strong enough plan. Because if you have a strong enough plan, 
it's not overwhelmed. It's just more work that needs to be done. That's how I heard it. Yeah, but I, I think also that overwhelm typically comes from people doing what they don't want to do. Or they're in disconnection with what they're doing. They don't like what they're doing. Like when I get overwhelmed, it's like, man, another airplane. You know, but it, that's not big overwhelm. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to get overwhelmed when you're so vocal on what you're doing. Because once you're vocal, I mean, you guys have seen us, like we made a lot of pronouncements five years ago about building the best chargeback company in the world. Um, that was our intention. It, I didn't say anything about making money. I didn't say anything about people loving me. I said, hey, we're going to build the best system because we knew there were not any great systems. The foundation is I'm going to build the best system in the world that brings value to my clients. That was the intention. Well, by de default, I'm going to have a great business because most people want to get taken care of. So I don't know. I, I think you just got to keep going, man. You, you just got to look at these games and go, I'm in the game. I can't just throw the chessboard up. I have 300 people that work for me. I, I can't just like, they're my children at this point. So it depends on the, 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 the parents of the company, if you will, for lack of a better term, the owners, or to make sure that these people who trusted me and Monica have a proper vision with proper financing to build a business that's that's sustaining. I, I, it's a huge obligation uh, to, to hire people. A much bigger obligation to hire people than to go work for someone, in my opinion. Oh, I would agree completely with that. Um, so this this one my wife wanted to know, so I got to ask this one. So has the girls it, always ask the best questions. So so her her thing was. With everything that Gary has going on and the number of places that he travels to so frequently, what is a belief, behavior, routine? You know, what is, what is it that you do every single day that, that, uh, that keeps you driving, driving forward? Man, I, I got to tell you, I wish, I wish there was a magic thing. Um, I wake up in the morning and I look at the day and I go, man, I got to do this again. Uh, I think, you know, I could color all this up with the money and the houses and the planes and all that. Look, it's hard, man. It's hard being responsible. It's not easy. That's why they call it responsibility. Okay. It's, 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 it's the 300 people. Okay. The 300, the, my kids, my kids are not going to see me fail. My kids might see me die, but they're not going to see me fail. And if they see me fail, I'll lose $100 million, and then I'll go make half a billion. So, like, I've learned so much from big losses. The big losses is what I've learned everything from. Um, so, you know, also, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm involved with my, my, my wife, who's my partner, who's the genius behind this business, runs 99% of the whole business. I'm just a, a guy with an idea. Uh, that's willing to spank money behind probably the most talented person I've ever met in my life, Monica. Um, she could divorce me tomorrow morning, and I would still invest money into her, every penny I have. She's that smart. Uh, so I think, you know, it's, it's I'm a human being, and I wake up, and I have a responsibility to the planet. And, and so I don't really, I don't meditate. I used to meditate. I used to write. I should write more. I really, really believe in writing. I am blank. I am a billionaire. I am 
Look, when I was 28 years old, I wrote, I am running an energy business in Europe. And my wife laughed at me. <laughs> Seven months later, I was in the United Kingdom building an energy business. Now, there was no way that I could get from where I was in Houston, Texas, to running a freaking energy company with this accent in, in, uh, in, in the UK. And I built two of them, and they were monsters. So I really believe you can do anything you want. It's really down to writing, making the plan, doing what you want to do here, not here. Um, I know a lot of people that are miserable, dude, making $3 million a year, working for a private equity guy, making $12 million a year, miserable. Their kids are miserable. They're, they're on all kinds of drugs. And you follow what you're great at. Like I owned a house in England once, and there was a river man there. He was 72 years old. He took care of my river. One of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life. He would not use any power equipment on my property. And the reason was he wanted to listen to the birds. He was waiting for the kingfisher to fly down the river so he could have that one moment with the kingfisher that I'm telling you a story about today. I'm telling you a story about a kingfisher and an old man. His name was uh, Neville. So never forget the guy, okay? I mean, he was like a mentor to me. Taught me how to fit, fly fish. And lovely, lovely, lovely man. That re- He would look at me. I'd get in 5 o'clock in the morning. I'd get into a limo that would drive me into London. He'd be like, why are you doing this, man? And I didn't have an answer. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, why am I doing this? Uh, so... I think there's a lot of ways to impact this planet. You don't have to be a billionaire or millionaire. You need to be a good person that's bringing something positive to the planet. So you actually just rolled right into uh, – No, no, no. It's good. It's good. Um, so I always ask – Tell your wife, though. I'm sorry there's no like yeah, she was, automatic she, robotic thing that I do. She was hoping for you know something yeah. like you know you do yoga. Yeah, I cross my left chest sunrise. three times. Yes, yeah. exactly. You know, nah. you, you throw baseball. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. She was hoping for something, yeah. but that's okay. That's okay. Um, th- I think I got a little bit out of there, so we'll, we'll have to circle back afterwards, and I'll see what I've pulled out of that. I think what I'm trying to say: sometimes you just got to show up. Like okay. if you think I'm happy every day, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I pro- portray this fake image of Facebook and what all this dude, running a business. It ain't always fun. So that, 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 I mean, that's a perfect, perfect one is, is show up, show up and let's go. Let's, okay. So, so I ask this question of every single guest. I ask for either one big thing or three small things that somebody can do as soon as, as soon as they finish listening, don't, don't do it right now. But as soon as they finish listening to this episode or watching this episode, what are three things that they can just go and do that you think will help them get to that next, that next level for them? First thing I do is I look around. I do an inventory of everybody around me. Everybody. Mom, dad, brother, sister, wife, husband, boyfriend, buddies, drug dealers, uh, grocery de- I don't care, man. If you have negative influencing people around you, get rid of them. Okay? Burn the bridge. Like, you have to get rid of negative naysayers. They, they, they will suck the life out of you, okay? People that don't produce anything love sucking the life out of other people. Hey, Ted, you can't do that, dude. You're not really worth that much. You know, you've only been in payments so long, dude. You should be happy with what you have. How much bullshit do we have to feed on? 
It's crazy. So cut all the negative people. Get around guys like me that go, dude, you can do anything you want. You don't have to have an education. You don't have to have money. I didn't have any money. People go, oh, you had money. I didn't have shit. Okay, nothing. Nobody gave us anything, uh, which I think is a big deal, actually, not to have anything. Um, second thing is um, sit down after you've gotten rid of all your people that are holding you down, and they are holding you down. I promise you they are wanting you to hold down because when I excel, my buddies look at me and go, dude, you're making me look bad. Huh? You ever mm-hmm. been around with somebody that's got like a gorgeous wife, and you're like, bro, how did they get that chick, right? Oh, man, look what I'm with. So um, write down who you are and what you're building. Like, who is it? Like, if you were to die in 10 years, what is it you're doing? And it doesn't have to make sense and put it in the present term. I am a billionaire. You don't have to know how to get there. You let the universe do the work for you. Okay, I'm a big believer in the universe. Uh, The Bible says, ask and ye shall receive. Might want to try it. Okay, prove that uh, parable wrong. It has proven to be, for me, accurate every time. As long as I get all the negative guys out of my brain, I can have anything I want. The third thing, prepare to do a lot of work. Prepare to dig the ditch. Every day, no matter if any of your employees show up or not, whether anybody trusts you, believes you, with any client that says yes or no, you're going to get a lot of no's. Kentucky, the guy that ran Kentucky Fried Chicken got like a thousand no's before he got a yes. And, and the third thing, read great books. So, Sorry, I had a 3B. I, I did a 3B. You, you did a 3B. But you know, what's interesting is we, we hadn't talked about any books. And that's a question I normally ask some folks. So now that you've brought it up, <laughs> what, if, if there's a, an all-time must-read, and then secondly, like your most recent read that that you think someone can't walk away from reading? Um, well, I don't think it matters whether you can or can't walk away from it. I think you need to read these books. Okay. I think you need to read the Bible. And I'm not a religious guy, but I think the Bible is a very interesting book. And I'm actually getting ready to reread the Bible. And um, I'm probably going to read another type of Bible also, just because I don't know anything about the Quran and, and Islam, and I hear all this stuff. Um, There's two books, though, that if you're trying to be successful in whatever you're doing, cook, business, husband, wife, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Like, it's a great book, okay? It's it's a book that you need to reread on a regular basis. Uh, Probably the greatest book I've ever read in my life is Og Mandino's The Greatest Salesman in the World. It is a beautiful book that is this big, so anyone can read it. But let me just tell you right now, it's going to take you 90 days to read it. Uh, 90 days and it's a program and it is a it, it, cha- it did more for me in here than anything else I've ever done and I've done a lot of stuff dude I've studied with Buddhists and psychologists and shrinks and I've done anything to like so, so I just need to bring this up um, if I was a professional football player and playing the Monday night or the Sunday night game do I just show up for the game on Sunday? Or did I train Saturday, Friday, uh, Thursday? Did I go into the gym? Do, do I have my head coach? Do I have my body? Yeah, I'm doing all that. Why is it when we leave school and we finish our college football or our baseball or whatever game we're playing or war, 
You know, you're in the military. There ain't no time offs. Uh, my work-life balance. I need to take a break from the, from shooting the bullets. Right? There's none of that in business. People literally come to work on Monday morning and prepare for Tuesday. That's insane, dude. I'm constantly preparing. Like I prepared yesterday for this show. I'm I'm getting ready. So people seem to think that they can go into business, they spend eight hours a day, and then they can go home to their families and do their funny, funny stuff. And then they're going to be experts? I don't think so. Like, so why is it different? A professional football player and a professional business guy. I need to train, 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 learn, 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 constantly being around. And that's the other thing. Get around really smart people. If you're hanging around dumb people, Stop it. If you're hanging around people that don't have any money, knock it off. Go where you're uncomfortable. It's so hard. It is so hard. I am always uncomfortable. And if I'm not, I'm just hanging out with my friends. I'm not really accomplishing anything. And that's not to say that being around friends isn't accomplishing anything, but I'm not changing the world. Um, so... Yeah, lots of great, That's lots of great story. stuff. No, no, lots of great stuff. Uh, so wrapping things up, um, if someone wants to reach you, what, you know, just what's the best way for them to do that? What, what do you prefer if someone wants to reach you? Well, if you're a retailer and you have chargeback problems, call, uh, reach, reach out to Gary at chargebacks 911. I'm on LinkedIn. I mean, I'm the easiest guy on the planet. I know you're I'm fairly visible. Too. Like, I just don't have a lot of secrets. Like, you were saying, hey, I don't have any secrets. You know, I've made so many mistakes. And, and uh, but yeah, reach out to me. I love supporting people. Like, I didn't have a lot of mentors. And I feel like it's a responsibility to me today to help younger people. Um, you know, I just hired a 72-year-old guy. And we're flying on the plane to somewhere. I said, hey, hey why did you do this? Why did you join us? I mean, he sits on the board of this company and that company. And he's like, you know what? I, I've never used my own money and built my own business. I, I've never had an idea and gone and done it myself. I've sat on boards of big companies, but I've never done what you've done. And like, it really shocked me, man. I had a 72-year-old guy going, I have never done what you've done. And it really touched he's me. He's never right? created. Well, and, and like he's hugely helpful to me. Don't, don't, like I would not diminish his role, right? Um, but he really validated that this is a lonely life. Anybody that thinks the life me and my partner live is anything other than lonely and scary is confused. All y'all see is the jets and the hotel rooms and, and hey, they got a brand. This comes at a great expense. You know, it's 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 for champions. There are not going to be eight billion champions on this planet. Okay, so you're going to have to decide. And I think this is an exercise: Am I a champion, or am I following champions? And I don't think either answer is wrong. For years, I needed to follow the champion. I wasn't ready. I wasn't mature enough. I wasn't able. I didn't have the skills. Um, and then, as I you know matured. And, and had to survive, I got the skills. I it's amazing how skills come along when you're hungry and you're thirsty. Um, so don't think it's easy because it ain't. It, none of it's easy. Um, if you're given a trillion dollars, it's not easy. Like I, I pretty much know that because most people 
don't turn inherited money into anything. They destroy it. They spend it all, yeah. yeah. They just destroy it because it has no value. When you build something yourself, man, when you paint, like my wife wants me to sell a, a painting. I'm like, fuck, I'm not selling that painting. I will never sell that painting. It's actually one of the worst paintings I've ever done. But for me, it was a breakthrough. That particular painting with colors, like, I will never sell it. You could offer me a million dollars for this painting. You wouldn't like it. But that painting told me, oh, wow, I could do this. And, and so I'll keep that one, you know, for myself. And th those are the, the things. Notice I've not talked about how much money I have. None of that stuff means anything. That's not what this is about, though. It, but it doesn't even mean anything. It's not going to make anyone happy. It, 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 like, that's not the deal. The deal is creating and being proud of something. If you can do that, sling some hamburgers. If you're proud of it, crush it. You know, we need a good hamburger slinger. That we do. So we're going to provide some additional value. Uh, I've been working with some of the folks on your team, Gary. And what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and give a link to to a uh, a book that they're offering uh, called Chargebacks for Dummies. Oh, it's a great book. So, and so, we're all dummies on this subject, let me tell you. So, I mean, you and I have, have been looking at this this part of the industry for, for quite some time. And, and even me reading through it, I'm like, oh, you know what? I didn't really think about that. So we're going to go ahead and, and uh, give everybody a link to that so they can go ahead and get a copy of it. Gary, I really appreciate this, man. I know it, it. we had some fun trying to schedule and everything, but I, I really appreciate getting this insight and I think it's going to help a lot of people. Well, I hope so. And thank you. And I love what you're doing, Ted. Really, right. really do. Appreciate it. Thanks, yeah. Gary. Thanks so much. That's it for this episode of the Ted Huff Show. But we know you're wondering where you go from here. TedHuff.com makes it easy for you to get notifications for new episodes, specialized contests, exclusive giveaways, and upcoming events simply by signing up for our mailing list. You'll get access to all this and more by visiting TedHuff.com. That's T-E-D-D-H-U-F-F.com. Until next time, open your mind and expand your empire right here on the Ted Huff Show.